Yeah. So to get started, since it's a family uh, day, Eric got to lead worship with his family, with his kids. Um, to start off, I'm going to invite my daughter to come up, my daughter Mahalia, and uh, to be a part of this. And she's going to begin uh, just by singing a song that most of you may be familiar with, How Great Thou Art. She's going to sing it a cappella, but I'm sure you might you know the chorus, so sing along with her, and let's just take a moment to uh, worship God. <laughs> Woohoo! Yes! Amen! Uh, wonderful. Thank you, Mahalia. Uh, as Eric said, my name is Tracy Hiltz, and actually my name is Tracy Charnel Hiltz, and, uh, and that's important because I'm a, I'm a hospice chaplain and there's a connection to that. Um, Tracy Charnel Hiltz equals hospice chaplain, and I'll tell you why. Um, there's an old saying, uh, for a paraphrase actually, of Romeo and Juliet, says, what's in a name? And it's a paraphrase of, a rose by any other name is still a rose. And what it's saying is that names don't really matter. But, but I disagree. My name being Tracy Charnel, um, my parents picked that name out not because they, they thought about what it meant. They just liked the sound of it. Well, the name Tracy means courage. And I think I've had a, a life where I've been a bit courageous. Certainly getting up on this stage is a point of courage for me, but it's my middle name that really hits the target. My middle name, Charnel, in French is pronounced charnel, which means pertaining to the house of the dead. So my name is Tracy Charnel, one who courageously goes into the house of the dead. If you don't know what hospice is, hospice is an organization that helps people who are in the last days of their life. People whom have been identified by doctors is with all things averaging out that they have about six months or less of life to live because of a disease or, or disability. And my job as chaplain is to go and be a part of their lives, their families' lives, and to help them have the best possible days they can in whatever days are left. So, I think with a name like Tracy Charnel, courageously going to the house of the dead, I was kind of destined to be a hospice chaplain. <laughs> Names are important. In fact, we're about to celebrate in come December, picking another name. I've got another grandchild coming. Yes! My youngest granddaughter, who is 19 months old and is over here somewhere looking very cute. Her name is Shekinah. Now, if you're familiar with the Old Testament story of Moses, you'd know Shekinah comes from the description the people gave of Moses' face. Because after he went up to the mountain and spent time with God, he had this glow on his face. Uh, it was the reflection of the glory of God. And the people named it the Shekinah. My daughter Lubaba and her husband Gemetu, they intentionally named their daughter Shekinah because they wanted 
the glory of God to be spoken out loud every time someone says her name. Shekinah. It's great that we have nine months to come up with a name usually. Um, with my daughter Mahalia that was just up here, we didn't have nine months, we had a couple of days. Because the doctor had told us early on in our pregnancy that we were gonna have a boy. So we came up with boy names, of course. And there were some complications at the end of the pregnancy where we needed to have an ultras, another ultrasound, and they weren't so common back then, which, by the way, was 25 years ago yesterday. She just turned 25. <laughs> so we had this ultrasound, and, and the tech says, um, so what's this baby's name? And I said, it's going to be Tyler. And she says, well, how about Tyrella or Tyrena? Because this is not a boy. I said, oh, yes, it is. Yeah, it's a boy. Uh, the doctor told us it was a boy, and, you know, you're only a tech, so. <laughs> she said, ma'am, this is a girl. You're about to have a girl. And I just about came off the table. Because at the time, we only had one boy. And we had no girl name. We had nothing pink. We were not ready for a girl. And all these girl things flashed in my mind. And I said, Lord, really, a girl? And... Peter, my dear, sweet husband, I'm saying in a panicked voice, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And he just calmly puts his hand on my shoulder and says, honey, what we're going to do is have a little girl and she will be wonderful. <laughs> and, and he was right. But we needed to pick a name. So we went home, first apologized to our little boy for being dishonest, telling him he was going to get a brother and he's going to get a sister. And then we feverishly sat with the name book and said, what are we going to name her? We couldn't come up with a name. But there was the recollection of, of a musical theater that Peter and I had attended some months ago of about a woman named Mahalia Jackson. Mahalia Jackson was an incredibly gifted gospel singer of the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, and 40s, 50s, and 60s. She died in the 70s, so there we go. And there was a line during that presentation that said, this is Mahalia. She has been well-named, one who sings praises to the Lord. So we gave our daughter the name Mahalia. And did you not just hear she was well-named? So what we know from the Bible is that God pays attention to names, emphasizes them, often even changing a name to reflect a, a new position or a new calling. For example, Abraham, Abram became Abraham, Sarai became Sarah, Jacob became Israel, Simon and Saul became Peter and Paul. Thing is, we often think that God's name is God, but God's name is not God. God is what he is, but it's not his name. In fact, the Bible says there's lots of gods, small g gods, and we humans, we do well in making lots of things God, small g. But God says in Psalm 96, for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be revered above all other gods. Or Psalm 86, 8, there is none like you among the gods. So in other words, 
Our God is the God. There's none like him, none equal to him, none above him, none greater than him. He is the God. So God set out to tell us the story of himself. Not just what he is, but who he is. And he does this by naming himself throughout scripture to reflect his character and his actions. And Psalm 23 is no exception to his display of action. In fact, the scripture that we're taking hold of today, Psalm 23, 3a, tells us to directly pay attention to his names. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. If you're gonna be guided, you wanna know a little something about the one who is guiding. Does he know where he's going? Does he know what he's doing? Can I trust him with this experience? Well, what God is saying to us through the heart of King David in this scripture is that he is guiding us in the paths of righteousness of our lives for his namesake. He is not saying, I'm doing this because I'm God and I can do it if I want to. What he is telling us is that he has given us himself, the entirety of himself, to be our guide. God himself wants to be our guide, and he's telling us we can trust him, and he's doing that by naming himself. Why does that matter? Well, because God, being God, can only be who he says he is. So if he's naming himself, he's telling us with full authority and full confidence, this is who I am and this is who I'm going to be. We can trust him. He will be glorified because he will live out his namesake. He will be himself and be glorified. And he will be himself as our guide. I'm gonna read through this psalm very quickly here and then we're gonna identify who is God saying that he is for his namesake. Who is he calling himself to be? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So here is who God is calling himself, naming himself to be. Verse 1. He's Lord, he's shepherd, he's provider. Verse two, he's commander, he's wisdom. Verse three, he's restorer and path builder. Verse four, he's protector, deliverer, companion, comforter. Verse five, he's redeemer, healer, savior. Verse six, he is good, he is merciful, he is loving, <clears throat> he is persistent. And he is Father, our Father. 
these are the names that God has given himself and gives us to be our guide for his namesake. So can't you see why this psalm is so powerful? It's filled with the promises of God. It's filled with his determination to be who he is on our behalf. It's a picture of his abundant, wild love for us and the many ways he wants to show us that love. So here's what you can know. You can know that you have a righteous shepherd that you can trust to be your guide. He's given us his names. And Proverbs 18.10 tells us about his name. The name of the Lord is a fortified, strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Amen. Safe. You know, safety is something that we look for in our lives. Physical, relational, emotional, spiritual safety. We want to live a life that is safe. And so where, according to this psalm, is the safest place to be? With God on the path of righteousness that he has established for us. I'm sure it hasn't escaped anyone's notice that the next verse in this psalm, 23.4, says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you, Lord, are with me. Your rod and your staff will comfort me. Well, Pastor Eric is gonna be preaching on this verse next week, and I'm really looking forward to it because it's one of my passion verses of scripture, not just because I'm a hospice chaplain, but because it tells us that being on the path of righteousness, we are still going to experience despair, depression, sickness, the loss of relationship, the loss of a dream. You may even come face to face with evil. I know I have in my life. But God tells us in Revelation 14:2 this very fact that this is part of the path of righteousness, this calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. So why should we walk on the path of righteousness if we were still going to face challenging times and even evil things? Well, the straight and strange answer is actually because of love because of God's love for us and our opportunity to love him in return. We get to walk the path of righteousness, not to get God's love, but because we already have it. And we have it in the form of him giving himself to us to be our guide according to our need. He's gracious in guiding us according to our need. He tells us to lean into his presence so that we will lack nothing that will strengthen us and redeem us and restore us and heal us when we are walking through the difficult and challenging times of our lives. 
We even get to be restored and strengthened when we are walking through the good times in our lives. And he is guiding us there as well. He wants this path for us to be the safety of his presence, the healing security that comes along with walking the path that he has established for us. So how do we do that? How do we lean into the presence of the Lord on the righteous path when we ourselves are not righteous? Well, God is not expecting perfection. Not from us, but he is asking for something important. Our loving obedience. 2 John 1, 6 says, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. So let's be honest, we as humans are not really fans of the word obedience. Unless, of course, we're parents of a two-year-old or a teenager, uh, it's not usually our favorite word. It's not something that we uh, necessarily think needs to be a part of who we are, but this is what God is telling us is an important part of connecting with the path of righteousness. And the great news is this about being obedient, folks. The best way to be obedient to God is not to worry about boxes of do's and don'ts that we're supposed to check off. The best way to be obedient is to get to know God, to get to know who he is, to let who he is become a part of our heart connection and experience. And there are many ways to do that. Even Pastor Eric was speaking last week about setting healthy rhythms in our lives. Things like contemplative prayer, um, getting time alone with God, meditating on scripture, worship, we have many ways that we can intentionally connect our hearts to God, to know him. This is God's invitation to us in being on the path, getting to know him. And when we know him, our hearts and our lives and our behavior is affected powerfully. One thing I wanna take note of here though is God did not say, you know, hey folks, here's my righteous path. Come on, get over here, get on it. And while you're on it, I want you to be looking at your neighbor and, and seeing if they're on it. And, and then if they're off it, I want you to shame them or yell at them or do whatever you need to poke them until they get back on the path themselves. We have enough to worry about and deal with in our own lives for our own path of righteousness, not to worry about our neighbor and whether or not they're on the path the way that we think they should be. God said he will guide us in paths of righteousness. That's paths, S with the plural. But hear me very carefully, I am not, not saying there are many paths to God. I'm not saying that each one of us gets to decide what righteousness looks like for ourselves, himself, herself, or for someone else. God alone 
has determined what righteousness is. He has fashioned righteousness in it and it doesn't change. His definition does not change. But there is only one person who walked the path of righteousness and never stepped off it and, and his name was Jesus. It's not my name, for sure. So because that is true, we have a loving, merciful God who by name is loving and merciful and gracious. And he knows that every one of us who is not Jesus will not stay on the path. We'll step off. We'll jump off by choice, sometimes by the influence of what someone else has done against us. So in other words, we will sin and we will be sinned against. But God always wants to guide us back to the path that he has established for our best journey. So that path of healing from our individual choices of sin and from healing from the experiences of others who have sinned against us, God knows the best way to move each of us back to that path. And he is gracious and kind and loving enough to pay attention to what each of us needs to get back to the path. He knows our hurts, he knows our temptations, he knows our struggles, and he takes all of these into consideration when he is drawing us back to the path of righteousness. Always he is considering who we are and always he is there to guide us back to that path. Sometimes I wonder, you know, God is clearly so far beyond me. How can a righteous God guide me, an unrighteous person, again and again to the path of righteousness? Because I find myself off the path quite often, the things I say and do and think. Well, when we do, we need to remember a few things. We need to know, remember what we know about our shepherd. He's a righteous guide. We need to set our hearts to be obedient, to return to the righteous path. And finally, we need to do the next righteous thing. Remember that the righteousness belongs to God. He lovingly and graciously invites us to partake of his righteousness. It's a gift to us. But you know what, it's not a gift that's always easily taken. Sometimes doing the next righteous thing can, can be a very heartbreaking thing. Sometimes doing the next righteous thing can be very painful, can be challenging, can be anxiety building. Sometimes doing the next righteous thing can be very humbling. I want to quickly tell you a story from my own life about having to do the next righteous thing. Several years ago, I had an interaction with a woman who had done something dishonest for the benefit of her child, and it ended up hurting one of my children. And I saw her, and I decided to let her know about the harm she was bringing to my child, and her response was, I don't really care. 
Unfortunately, I did not hesitate to jump off the path of righteousness. I jumped far, and I, I told her off. I used some very disrespectful, harsh, and diminishing words. And I, of course, uh, justified it as being, you know, the protective mom. She started yelling back, and this verbal altercation took place, and I was actually to the point in my sinful anger of secretly hoping she would push me or hit me so I could just put her down. But let me just tell you folks, it really was a picture, a sad picture of me connecting with sinful anger. Many months later, I was driving home from work and this woman who I hadn't seen since came to my mind and wondered why and and suddenly I hear the spirit saying to my heart, you need to go apologize to her and ask her for forgiveness. And I was like, what? (laughs) Really? And I began to converse with God and say, you know, um, she probably wouldn't want to talk to me. She probably wouldn't want to connect with me. And, you know, she lives on the other side of town. And, um, you know, I'll tell you I'm sorry, Lord. And, whew. I had no common contact with her. I came up with every kind of excuse. Then there's this thing called 2 Corinthians 10.5 that says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Oh. So I heard the emptiness of my excuses next to the righteousness of God and his call for me to do the next right thing and be obedient. So I said out loud to God, okay, God, I will ask for forgiveness when I see her. I will make that effort to see her. So guess what, folks? Minutes later, I'm turning into my cul-de-sac and I see her truck in my driveway. I said it out loud. Really, God, now? And I got out of my car, and she comes out of my house with a box, and I'm walking towards her, and boy, I saw her body just stiffen up, and like she's ready for the next altercation, verbal altercation. But I walked up to her, and I said, I need to apologize to you. I was so inappropriate in my anger. I said things to you that I should not have said. I, I worked to diminish your value as a person and, and that was very wrong. So I'm gonna ask if you would, would forgive me. Well, she looked stunned and she said, oh, 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 yes, of course, of course, and me too. Then she got in her truck and she left probably going, what in the world just happened? But that was the Lord calling me back to a path, the path of righteousness. And just a couple months later, this woman's child was tragically killed. And I got a phone call from her. 
And she said, Tracy, would you please come to the memorial service? That is God. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. So here he came for me the, as the guiding God, the God of mercy. And he came to me as God, the restorer. And because I followed him back to the path, he helped use me to spread the message to a desperate heart as God the comforter. We get to lean into this God, folks. We get to call him by name to help us stay on the path of righteousness, to help us return to the path of righteousness, or even step onto it for the very first time. So if you've never been on that path, you can be on it today. Call out to him. His name is God the Savior. And he will fill you as Holy Spirit with his grace and forgiveness. If you need to know the next right step to take, call on God, the wisdom giver, and he will show you the still water's way. Are there wounds to your heart that are deep, old, or new? Call on God, the redeemer, who will prepare a table of restoration before you. Are you sick? Are you weary? Call on God the healer and he will anoint your head with oil to overflowing. Following the service, we're gonna have folks who will be willing to be up front who will be willing to pray with you or for you to help you find the name of God that you can call out knowing he is there ready, waiting, willing, wanting desperately to be your guide, the guide you can trust, the righteous guide, to call you to a righteous obedience, to show you the next righteous step. We don't have to do that on our own. He will show us. So I think Pastor has a couple of things to say, but let's let our minds set to know, God, who do I need to call on you as today? If the worship team could come up, that'd be great. In the, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, in the New Testament, Jesus talks about one who will guide us. You know who that is? It is the Holy Spirit. Yes, Logan. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking about that. I was just praying for Tracy and the message, beautiful message. Um... We haven't done bowls of water for a while. The symbols of the Holy Spirit is water. Those who are thirsty streams of living water. 
will come and flow from within. I was thinking uh, if the prayer folks wanted to be on the end and if you wanted a, a little bit more extended prayer, you could go to them on the outside. But we also have bowls of water representing the guiding, the leading work of the Holy Spirit. And for maybe some of us, we recognize the need that we hear the Lord's voice in his gentleness, in his grace, in his mercy. He's inviting us back to the paths of righteousness, as Tracy said. If you want to come and dip your hand in the water, say a prayer inviting the fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit. In this final worship song, I'm going to give you that time and space to do that, receive that, or be prayed for on the